Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. While these people were wondering about the power of Jesus in this negative situation, she was worshiping. She didn't care who else was around. She didn't care how she looked. She didn't care that anybody would have said it don't take all that. She didn't care. She was undignified. She had a problem in her life and she got to the place where she needed to be as fast as possible. When you are going through these problems, you need to fall at Jesus' feet. You need to fall quickly. Don't worry about how embarrassing it's going to be. Don't worry about how foolish it looks. Don't worry about how undignified you look. Fall at Jesus' feet. Fall at his feet. Turn with me, if you will, to the gospel according to John, the 11th chapter, starting with the 32nd verse. And when you have it, we'd ask all those that are physically able to please stand. Again, that is John chapter 11, the 31st, or no, 32nd verse, starting there. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Then, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, uh, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and uh, say, neighbor, show Jesus where you laid him. Amen. You may be seated. 
So in the summer of 2010, Radio Shack started off an advertising campaign uh, sponsoring uh, Lance Armstrong's Tour de France uh, bicycle team. And so they came out with some new commercials to advertise it, and they, they acted like Radio Shack had hired Lance Armstrong as their chief mobility officer. And so he was chief mobility officer, and he had an assistant with him by the name of Alphonse. And one of these commercials that they had going on, uh, the chief mobility officer was sitting on a stationary bike pedaling. And mounted on this bike, he would be spinning the bike and and talking to Alphonse. And, And Lance, in one commercial, speaks to Alphonse and says, from now on, no man over the age of 30 will ever use emoticons. No colons, parentheses, smiley face, no fancy bracketed mustaches, no semicolon hot winks. Uh, I'll stop here for some of the young, younger folks. Uh, uh, emoticons were what we used to communicate electronically before they had emojis. You didn't have a, a fully formed smiley face or somebody rolling their eyes or, or blowing a kiss. You had to use actual punctuation marks to make that. Then they got real fancy about it, and, and when you put the, fa- the, 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 uh, the punctuation mark in, it would turn into a smiley face that was a, a picture, and, and now they just have it as a keyboard now. So, But this was back in, uh, way, way back in 2010. Uh, so... so these things, he said that, that no man over 30 was able to communicate like that anymore. His, his directive that no man over 30 should use uh, emoticons was suggesting that these emoticons, these emojis, these ways to e- express emotions electronically were, were silly uh, uh, trivial and childish uh, and, and we have taken that approach as adults not only in technology but sometimes in our communications with God uh, uh, see in the commercial they were saying it was unmanly or even unadult like to try to communicate with somebody using emotions it was unbecoming it was undisciplined it was even undignified to let your emotions show and we have taken that approach when it comes to God Uh, Christians today are not exempt from the raw experience of human emotion we should be able to express these emotions when we do to God and be honest and sincere Ah, yes, indeed. And so we come to this situation where, where uh, Jesus is, is, is uh, somewhere uh, away from where Lazarus is. And if you read uh, the beginning of, of John 11, you'll know that this, even though I read in your reading and your hearing, starting at verse 32, this story actually starts at verse 1 because Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick, but he does not go there right away. And so Lazarus is sick and Jesus doesn't go there right away. And part of the reason why he doesn't go there right away is because where Jesus is at and where Lazarus is at is a place where from you read in your, uh, your, your, your private study time in the gospel according to John before we even get to uh, John 11 earlier in the gospel according to John these people have threatened to stone Jesus for some of the stuff that he was saying. And so he left 
the area where he was worried about getting stoned. And so the disciples were hanging around uh, Jesus and they were like, uh, Lazarus is sick. That's a little too close to Jerusalem. I'm not really interested in going back to a place where they threatened to stone you, Jesus, because one of them stones might fly my way. And so the disciples were not in a hurry because they were uh, expressing this fear. And so Lazarus dies. Lazarus dies. And the people who loved Lazarus grieve. And the people who love Lazarus grieve over his death, but they also realize that they are done with him. Uh, How do you know that they're done with them, Pastor? Real simple. They wrapped him up and put him in a tomb. Uh, We can love somebody and then decide that we are done with them. We can love somebody and decide that we can't take it no more, so we push them off to the side. We can love somebody and decide to delete their number out of our phones. We can decide that we love somebody and not deal with them. So the Lazarus, these people of Lazarus' friends, uh, Martha and Mary, his sisters, and all these people that are around, they are done with Lazarus. But praise God, Jesus was not done with Lazarus. We may have been wrapped up in somebody else's life and put away in a tomb never to be heard from again. But I'm so glad that Jesus was not done with me. When I look back over my life and see all the things that I have gone through and see all the things that I have survived, when I look back and I understand if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Your friends and family might be done with you. Your job might be done with you. All of the people you used to call these things close to you might be done with you. But Jesus is not done with you yet. And if he's not done with you yet, that is a reason to praise the Lord. Uh, I got some Bible for that. The Bible says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Can you take a deep breath? then you ought to praise him. Everybody was done with Lazarus, but Jesus still came. Uh, So he went back to Jerusalem or close around Jerusalem where these people had almost tried to stone him and the disciples were scared. But we ought to be able to take our fears to the Lord. Uh, They told him, They didn't want to go. They emoted towards him. They were able to cast their cares upon him. They said it. They didn't just walk with Jesus and start backing off when they got closer. They didn't just wake up the next morning and leave. They didn't just have a separate disciples meeting away from Jesus and badmouth him. They brought their problems to Jesus. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your problems. He'll hear the faintest cry and answer by and by. Hear the prayer wheels turning. Know that the fire is burning. Just a little talk with Jesus will make it all right. I'm so glad that Jesus decided to come back. Because that lets me know that he can decide to come back for me. Ah, yes, indeed. And so we come to the sorrow of Mary. Let the church say sorrow. sorrow. Uh, he's, gee, Mary is dealing with the death of her brother. 
And she feels twice deserted. Mary and Martha feel twice deserted because here they have their brother that they have just lost. Somebody close to them. Somebody they have grown up with. Somebody they spent quality time with. Brothers and sisters who have been together and you lose what you had value in. Your family. And not only do you feel deserted because you lose the value in your family member going on to glory, you also get deserted because Jesus, the person that you knew, the person that you think could have solved the problem, the person that you think could have fixed it, is nowhere to be found. Doesn't come while Lazarus is still sick. Comes four days after he's dead. Twice deserted. They are looking for Jesus and he is not there. He didn't come when they wanted. He didn't come how they wanted. He didn't come the way that they wanted him to do. And so now they are mad. Ah, They are mad. That which I can figure out how to do, I would not need God. I'll just be transparent and, 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 and say it about myself so don't nobody else feel guilty. You know, I might be saying I know the thoughts and plans that God should have for me. And I know that the way the thing should go. And I know who should be working with me on these particular plans. I have the right plan laid out. I'm not going to worry about what kind of plan God has. Again, this is just me. I ain't going to say anybody else. I don't want nobody else feeling guilty. I know everything that needs to happen this way. And so if it don't happen my way, I get mad. Even though I wasn't there when the world was formed. Even though I didn't say let there be light and there was light. Even though I didn't separate the day from the night. Even though I didn't take clay and breathe into it and make man. I didn't do any of that, but I still got my own plans. And so when my own plans don't go right, I get a little mad. Just me, by myself, nobody else. Sometimes we don't have all the answers. Sometimes it's not going to go the way we want it to go. Sometimes we think we got a victory, but it's going to be a lose. But then sometimes those setbacks are set up for a comeback. So every time you lose, you need to learn. And so they're twice deserted and they're mad. But Jesus is still going to show up. You might have thought your plans are dead. You might have thought that business idea you had was dead. You might have thought that relationship you had was dead. You might have thought those family members that turned their back on you, that relationship was dead. But they are not dead if God does not want them to be dead. Jesus is capable of resurrecting all of that. You just have to be willing to show Jesus where you laid him. Show Jesus where you laid that hurt. Show Jesus where you laid that betrayal. Show Jesus where you laid that failed thing you thought you was going to be able to do and it didn't work out the way. You got to be willing to show it to Jesus. Show him what hurts. Show him what you're struggling with. Show him what you're having troubles with. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry, not some things, not the things we don't know, want, the things we only want the people to know about, not partial things. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Show Jesus where you laid it. 
that'll be hard to do for some of us. We might have had a past that was less than legal. Show Jesus where you laid it. You might be struggling with some secret sins. Show Jesus where you laid it. You might be having some stinking thinking, thinking that you are not as good because people always told you you wasn't going to never amount to nothing. But you can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives you strength. Show Jesus where you laid it. You just have to be willing to show. You can't be dignified. You can't be prim and proper all the time. You can't keep it to yourself. Yes, yes. Show Jesus where you laid it. Amen. Show Jesus where you laid it. And so we go from the sorrow of Mary and Martha to the sorrow of Jesus. Amen. Jesus wept. I chuckle when I think about that phrase because I grew up when people wanted to bless food or pray for something, they would say, Jesus wept. Never knew where it came from. Just happened to know that it was the shortest verse in the Bible and you couldn't say it wasn't prayer because you read scripture. That's a scriptural prayer. But as I got a little older and spent a little more time in the Bible, I got to understand what it meant for Jesus to weep. He wept because he cared for Lazarus. He wept because he cared for his people. It's not a God that is far away and doesn't care whether or not you live or die. It's not a God that doesn't grieve with you. This is a God that grieves with you and hurts when you are hurting. Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loves you. And so Jesus wept. He wept for the people. He's a God of compassion. Why else would he tell us that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and all our mind and to love our neighbor like ourselves? Amen. He loved the people. And if we're going to follow him, we got to love the people too. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's real hard to do. But Jesus loved you in spite of yourself. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus still loves you. And because he still loves you, you ought to be able to love others. He wept for Lazarus. And it also says that he was greatly disturbed. Uh, some translations and in looking into the Greek uh, says when he saw the people making these conversations, he it was greatly disturbed. Like this translation said, he was groaning in the spirit. Some translations say, uh, of, of the Greek words say he actually snorted in disapproval. Some, some translations actually break it down to anger. But he had compassion for the people. He loved the people. And so we go from Jesus weeping to the people wondering. Uh, the, 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 The text says that they look at him weeping and say, oh, see how he loved him. Then they go right from complimenting the compassion of Jesus to complaining. 
I don't know any church folk that complain, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna just bring this up in the text. You know, it's just some, some these these people complaining. Isn't this the same one again? Because they want stuff to go their way, the way they planned it, the way they mapped it out, the way that they had everything designed and their pitch perfect plans. They had it going out, and so they say, "Oh, Jesus is around here crying, but couldn't he have done this? He walked on water, he healed the sick, he opens up blinded eyes, he sets captives free." But we still got a Lazarus that's dead in the graves. Couldn't he have done something about that? Uh, But I like that the people were not named. Uh, There are some times where the people are not named in the Bible, and I like to put myself in that person's place. Like when I see the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, Jesus loves me. So I'm going to be the disciple that Jesus loved. But then there are other times when I read the Bible and I don't see them named, and so I understand that that's not important. Ah, these people were not named, and therefore their negativity is not needed. Ah, there are going to be some people out there that got something to say for. There are those people that are going to have something negative to say about everything you're doing. They're going to act like they can do it ten times better, or they would have gotten it done faster. But you just got to step over them. Keep on understanding that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them through. Understand that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Understand that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are going to have some negativity in your life, but you're just going to step over the negativity. Ah, This one who walks on water and heals the blind couldn't keep his own friend from dying. This negativity is not needed. And while all of that is going on, uh, 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 the text uh, says that Mary, uh, uh, Mary came to where she was and she fell down at his feet. Mary fell down at his feet. We, we lose a lot in translation. Uh, and some people have often thought this to mean that when somebody fell down at the feet, they kneeled down. Or they, 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 they placed themselves down gingerly. That they got down as they would know when she fell down at Jesus' feet. She got down as fast as she possibly could. While these people were wondering about the power of Jesus in this negative situation, she was worshiping. She didn't care who else was around. She didn't care how she looked. She didn't care that anybody would have said it don't take all that. She didn't care. She was undignified. She had a problem in her life and she got to the place where she needed to be as fast as possible. When you are going through these problems, you need to fall at Jesus' feet. You need to fall quickly. Don't worry about how embarrassing it's going to be. Don't worry about how foolish it looks. Don't worry about how undignified you look. Fall at Jesus' feet. Fall at his feet. Ain't got time to be pretty. Ain't got time to worry about sweating out my clothes. Ain't got time to worry about how I look. I'm going to fall at Jesus' feet. I'm going to lay it all there. Because that's the one that can solve it. Fall at Jesus' feet.
Fall. Don't matter who else is looking. Fall. Don't matter how you can get embarrassed. Fall. If there's somebody that can fix your problem better than anybody else ever could, get to them as quickly as possible. And when she fell at his feet, that's when Jesus said, show me where you laid him. Show me where you laid him. He didn't say stop embarrassing yourself. He didn't say get off that floor. That's undignified. You got a good job. You shouldn't be gallivanting like that. He didn't say you got all kind of degrees behind your name. You ain't supposed to act like that. He didn't say that was unbecoming of you. He said show me where you laid him. Fall at Jesus' feet. Show Jesus where you laid that hurt. Show Jesus where you laid that problem. Show Jesus where you laid it at. Ah. And then he says to to roll the stone away. One thing that I've learned about uh, every time I've seen some miracles in the Bible. Every time there was a miracle to be performed, there were some instructions to be followed. Uh, when, when, when the widow uh, was with Elijah and she needed oil to pay off a debt and feed her family, Elijah told her to go back in the back and get as many jars as possible. When, when, when God made Abraham a great nation, he told him to get out of his country first. Over and over again in the Bible, when a miracle was about to happen, you had to follow, the people had to follow some instructions. All right. Now, Jesus is more than powerful enough to do something without you lifting a finger. But sometimes you need to get up off of your hind parts. Sometimes you need to get off and do some things yourself. That's not to help Jesus, that's to help you. Never fails when I'm out in traffic. If somebody's car breaks down, if they just sitting around looking at the car, everybody going to look at them as they drive by. But if somebody hops up out the car and starts trying to push it out the way, push it to the nearest gas station, push it off of the road. Those same people who would have been looking and rolling by and bad-mouthing you for holding up traffic, some of them pull off, hop out, and help you push it further. Even when I was in a car that broke down, never failed. If I got out and start pushing sooner or later, and I like to keep my head down while I'm pushing, sooner or later the load got a little easier because I'd look up and there'd be two or three people on each side helping. Amen. You got to be willing to lay things at Jesus' feet. Yes, and yes, Jesus is able to help it. But notice they had to go away from their groaning and their mourning and their crying and their complaining to roll a stone away. Jesus could have healed Lazarus in the in the tomb. All right. But rolling the stone away got those people out of out of uh, being complainers and doing something constructive. Amen. 
follow those instructions. Uh, sometimes God does, but also God tells. And he told them to roll the stone away. Get off your hind parts. Change the way you're thinking about this. Get up and do something. But there's a response to it and there's a reluctance. Martha is, is, is hesitant when Jesus says, roll a stone away because Lazarus has been dead four days. He stinks. I don't want to bring my past to Jesus because it stinks. All right. I might have said some things and done some things in my past. I might have sold some things. I might have taken some things. I might have a rap sheet as long as the Bible. I don't want to bring that to Jesus. I don't want to bring what I used to do with Jesus. I don't want to bring who I was with or who I used to be with to Jesus. I don't want to bring all of those things I grow up drinking and smoking and doing and and those people I was hanging around and all those things we grew up doing together. I don't want to bring that stuff to Jesus. It stinks. Growing up in a broken home, that stinks. Stealing stinks. All of these things stink. My past stinks. I don't want you to see that, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to see all the things that I used to do. It stinks. All, right. all these people know about my past. Mm. They know how I've grown up. They see me out in these streets real bad. It stinks. Yeah. I ain't one to normally come to church because it stinks. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad yes, so that glad. even though yes. Mary and Martha, or Martha is talking about it stinks. Jesus never mentions the stench. Jesus never mentions the stench. He loved him so much, he didn't care about the stench. All of that stink that you might be carrying on from your previous life, it does not, Jesus does not care about the stench. The Bible says if we uh, confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Also says that we'll be separated from our sins through Jesus Christ as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All the old things have passed away. He doesn't care about the stench doesn't make mention of it goes on right about his business somebody needs healing I don't care how they smell he goes to fix it he's a new creature and all the old things have passed away Jesus does not care about your smell he is calling out to you anyway And the next thing that Jesus does is pray. He loves us and he pleads for us. We ought to be like Jesus when these things happen. Don't care about what's going on around us, but take it to the king. Jesus could have raised Lazarus from the dead 
while he was still in Bethany. And we got scriptures that prove that he did it because he did it with the centurion's helper. The centurion's helper came to him and said, I need help, Jesus. My servant is sick. And he said, all right, well, take me to him. I'm going to go ahead and go to you. He says, no, no, no. I'm a boss. And I know a boss when I see one. This is the Johnny Simpson translation about it. But he says, I'm a boss and I, I know a boss when I see one. I say, go do something and it's done. So if you a boss, all you got to say is that he's healed. And I know that he'll be healed even though I'm not around. So Jesus could have did that with Lazarus. But he brought it to the people so that these people could be saved. So that these church folk could see how to act. So these people who were on the fence about believing whether or not Jesus Christ was the Messiah could see what was going on. See that you need to put these things at his feet. See that you got to show Jesus where you laid those things. See that you don't care about the stench. See that when you go before the Father for your needs that he will answer. He did it to see all of that. So he was reminding them in verse 40. Did not tell you that you would see God's glory when you believe. And so he prayed. And the first thing he said when he prayed was, Father, I thank you. We spend a lot of time reaching out for God's hand when we ought to be spending more time reaching for his face, being in his presence, thanking him for the things that have already done. I, I may not have what I need right now or what I want right now, but I thank you, Father. Things may not be going the way I plan for them to go, but I thank you. Thank you for getting me up to see another day. Thank you for sending your son to die for my sins. Thank you for life, health, and strength. Thank you for keeping food on my table. Thank you for keeping a roof over my head. Thank you for keeping clothes on my back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The first thing Jesus did was say thank you. We ought to be able to say thank you. If he never does anything else, he's already done more than enough. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is what we ought to be doing in times of trouble. Being thankful. And so we have Jesus praying, and then Jesus shows his power. Let the church say power. Power. Ah, He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There was an order, and there was obedience to that order. Oh, yes. Yes, Uh, He uh, called out Lazarus by name, and Lazarus came forth. Uh, he had to call Lazarus by name because if he'd have just said come forth the entire cemetery would have got up out their grave and came on so he said Lazarus come forth and he got up and the next thing he said was loose that man and let him go no need to be wearing a dead man's clothes when you are living the right outfit for the right occasion. Loose that man and let him go. I'm so glad 
I serve a God that I can go to his feet. I'm so glad. I serve a God that I can show him where I laid it. I'm so glad. I serve a God who don't care how I smell. I'm so glad. I serve a God that is thankful and can call out to me. But, 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 but Lazarus was resuscitated. He was resuscitated, not resurrected. See, when somebody is on a crash cart and they hit them with those paddles, clear, they resuscitated. They brought them back to life. But truth be told, it's only for a temporary time. He was resuscitated, not resurrected. Jesus was resurrected. He was resurrected after dying on the cross. He was resurrected early on the third day with all power in his hand. The doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.